1: Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. All right. Welcome in, John. Good to see you. Glad to always, as always, be talking with you. How are you doing? How's your week been? Yeah, it's
0: good to see you too, Jalen. My week has been, uh, it's been good. You know, I think now that we're back into um, just the swing of ministry after a slight pause for, you know, um, the holidays and all that, it's uh, beginning to pick back up. For me, I've been working with the worship ministry, but also with our young adult ministry. And with the young adult ministry, Uh, We're kind of entering a new season. So like a lot of changes, things happening in a good way. And I think it's a very needed way. Um, But I think anytime you try to, you know, uh, get something off the ground, there's just a lot of work being done behind the scenes, a lot of conversations to be had. And uh, I'm enjoying all of them. But it has been one of those weeks where, um, you know, I've had like probably like four or five hour plus Zoom calls a day Um, so yeah, I'm, you know, it's been good and I'm looking forward to kicking off some new stuff, some changes for the young adult ministry, um, in the next week or so next couple of weeks, but just one of those weeks. So how about you? How are, how are things
1: going? They're going, they're going well, uh, you know, for you sounds exciting and I'm sure that, you know, the initial kind of push into new things. There's always that adrenaline kick, but then after that kind of wears down, you know, it starts to, uh, it starts to wear on you. So I'd definitely be praying for you and keep us updated on, on, on how things go. Thanks. Uh, for us in ministry, we've been um, working towards now live streaming at our church building uh, for pretty much since the start of the pandemic, we've been pre-recording our worship services. And so everybody's been at home, uh, you know with with the music with uh, my preaching and and all the other elements to our worship service we've just been pre-recording it stitching it together and just kind of premiering it uh, on online but this coming sunday we're going to actually have some live elements happening from the church building and so i know it's we're excited about it but it's also kind of stressful you know after we've kind of gotten into a groove and a, and a comfort level kind of doing things pre-recorded but switching to that now and excited about it, but we know there's going to be some technical issues that we've got to work through. So that'll be fun. And uh, you know, so our, our, our Chinese congregation uh, they've been doing uh, live streaming stuff from the church building. And typically we, you know, when it's not pandemic, we're right in to our worship service after them. And so they kind of file out while we're filing in. And so, you know, with all this, you know, gear and audio visual stuff, we're going to have to try and, you know, sync everything up and get in quickly and get out quickly. So uh, that should be fun. That'll be exciting.
0: So all the new equipment has been installed. It's ready to go.
1: Yes, but. Has it been tested? It has been tested. Unfortunately, in the English congregation, we felt like some of the equipment wasn't exactly up to what we would want to use it for. Mm -hmm. And so we're kind of creating our own setup and we're wheeling everything in. (laughs) right after the chinese congregation so um that's fun though it's good it'll be it'll work out it'll work out great so
0: nice yeah it will be good for a slightly different change of pace maybe less editing but more having to learn new systems exactly hope that goes well for you i'll be praying for you guys thanks cool well i'm excited for our guest today um and just was trying to think through how to how to best introduce uh our guest Liz, but I'll just say this, that Liz is a a good friend of mine. And actually we first met because when I started as an intern at uh, my previous church in Wheaton, um, Liz was a member of the youth group. She was, I think she had just graduated or was about to graduate. And so we just briefly overlapped there. And then she also um, served for several years in my youth ministry. And so I just had the joy of Partnering with Liz and um, seeing her heart for the kingdom um, and to work alongside her. But we actually have her here on here not to talk about youth ministry, though she's very welcome to discuss that, but to actually talk about the work that she did in the area of immigration advocacy. And so, Liz, for uh, about five years in a full time capacity, served with uh, I think a few different organizations um, in that arena. And then now is uh, has a slightly different role in that, um, not quite so directly, but we're super excited, Liz, for you to be on here with us and really glad that you took the time to, to have a chat with us. We know that, that, uh, that your voice in, in this area is in high demand, and so we're glad that you're on our podcast.
2: Yeah, thanks so much for having me, John and Jalen. Great to be with
0: you.
1: Yeah, thanks for being with us, Liz. Uh, As we start out, maybe you could help us uh, define that term, immigration advocacy, what is that? And then maybe briefly describe and share your experience and journey into uh, what immigration advocacy, uh, what you've been doing with immigration advocacy.
2: Yeah, uh, my immigration, I really should say our immigration advocacy work that I've done with World Relief, with the Evangelical Immigration Table, and also in partnership with uh, the National Immigration Forum has really stemmed from a biblical understanding to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Now, of course, when we talk about immigration advocacy, it's not that immigrants don't have voices, um, but that oftentimes due to you know, various reasons, they're afraid to speak up, or that when they do speak up, their voices aren't heard. Um, so in, in our work, um, in our advocacy work, we educate, um, especially the church, right, coming from a evangelical or Christian perspective, we educate this, this issue uh, to the church from a Christian perspective and then also advocate um, or um, uh, request um, for policies that we believe uh, better align with biblical principles in uh, fairness and then treating immigrants with dignity and uh, et cetera. So, And as a background, I would say um, my work in immigration advocacy really stems from my own journey as an immigrant. Um, So a little bit about myself. I was born in China and I came to the U.S. at the age of 10 as a dependent on my mom's work visa. And we were about to start our green card application, actually, when our immigration attorney had an oversight, made a mistake on my paperwork that coupled with September 11th happening, which uh, ended up shutting down the U.S. immigration system processing for a little bit. Uh, And even when it picked up again, it was very slow. So this happened in 2001. uh, That ended up resulting in me losing my status and also jeopardizing my mom's. Um, So with that, the consequences were um, I couldn't work, I couldn't drive, and at the time I couldn't uh, go to university. And so I struggled a lot with my identity. And my mom and I come from an an unbelieving atheist family background, um, but we became Christians in the US thanks to American friends sharing and really living out the gospel with us. Um, so at that at that point, you know, as Christ followers, we were prepared to return to China if that was God's will. Um, but God did not lead us in that direction. Um, he uh, op- actually opened doors that we thought were uh, previously impossible. Um, even when we opened up of our status and shared it, uh, including for me to go to college later on. And so thanks to DACA, which stands for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, uh, which was passed in 2012. I received a temporary work authorization. Um, and so I was in the private sector uh, when, and long story short, um, I got an invitation from my friend, Matthew Sorens, uh, who just as a sidebar has written and spoken a lot on immigration from a Christian perspective. So highly recommend your listeners to check out Matthew Sorens uh, in his book, Welcoming the Stranger. Anyway, Matt uh, invited me to join him uh, in immigration advocacy work. Um, I have no political science background and did not particularly enjoy politics, but felt God's calling uh, in it. Uh, so I quit my job and took on a full-time advocacy role with the evangelical immigration table on World Relief. And so it began.
0: And so you did that for, for five years and now, you know, your, your role has shifted. But I actually wanted to ask uh, a question because you kind of briefly mentioned it, but I knowing your story and knowing your journey... Uh, I wonder if you could share just how growing up uh, in a Chinese church and yeah, being in that in that setting and in that community really impacted your spiritual formation because this you know this podcast is about ministry in the Chinese context. And so we want to connect just you know how has that played a role in your life?
2: I think for me, growing up in a Chinese church uh, helped me better understand and appreciate my Chinese cultural background. And that for me, Um, is both Chinese and Chinese-American. I believe that God created cultures and he is celebrated, uh, worshipped through our creative cultural expressions. Um, So I think um, growing up in the Chinese church, I got to see and reflect on how God, uh, by his grace, could drew me near to him uh, through my culture, through using my culture, and also in some ways in spite of my culture. Um, so let me give an example, like, so it's pretty easy for me to, you know, accept biblical principles of honoring your parents, right, respecting authority, etc. Um, being in that Chinese church context, you see that kind of practice all around you. Um, on the other hand, I feel like I also had to work harder uh, or be more intentional about uh, fighting against idols of achievement in uh, academics or career because these things tend to be, um, and I may be generalizing, but uh, over-glorified, right, uh, in the um, Chinese or Asian-American uh, Christian context. So, so for me, culture is a beautiful thing, right? And being able to grow up in the Chinese church is a beautiful thing, but, but my cultural identity is not ultimate, um, but my identity in Christ, who I am in Christ ultimately um, directs, right, how, uh, what I do and, and how I think about things.
1: Yeah, I think that's so important to to remember. You know that certainly our, our identity first comes from from Christ, and to be able to live into that, recognizing that He's also given us an ethnic identity and how that influences the way that we live out our faith and how we follow Him. I think that's so important. Um, you know, earlier you said that part of what you're what you are doing in immigration advocacy is educating churches, and and so why should followers of Christ care about immigrants and strangers? What's sort of the baseline uh, knowledge that we need to have as Christians on why that's important?
2: Well, there is a whole lot that the Bible says about uh, immigrants. God's heart for immigrants, but it's, it's very easy to overlook that or miss that in in reading. And so even as a, as an immigrant, right, growing up in an immigrant church, I uh, didn't really know how much the Bible had to say about this issue really until I started in this ministry, right? And in, in immigration advocacy and began to dig more deeply because I wanted scripture to guide my advocacy work. So I began to dig more deeply and, and look for those places and references. And um, so for example, GER, G-E-R, the Hebrew word for immigrant or um, sojourner, uh, foreign residents, um, or even alien sometimes mentioned in the Bible, uh, appears 92 times in the Old Testament alone. And of course, in the New Testament, um, there are various passages, um, including in Matthew 25, where Jesus identifies right, with those who are hungry, thirsty, in prison, and the stranger. And he says that whatever you do for the least of these, or whatever you do for the stranger, you do as unto me. And right on the contrary, whatever you don't do, when you neglect the needs of the hungry, the thirsty, the imprisoned, or the stranger, the immigrant, um, you neglect me. And so that's a very serious command there. And there's more right? Hebrews 13 talks about how, you know, don't forget or don't elect, neglect to entertain strangers for doing so. You you don't know you might be entertaining angels. And I think I really like that verse because it kind of shows us that when we show compassion, um, and extend Christ-like love to immigrants or to the stranger in our midst, it's not just that we're blessing them, right? But in turn, we also get blessed by their presence and by what they have to offer. And uh, there's a lot more to be said, but I'll just kind of end with this question on um, also kind of the idea of um, immigration um, or or, um, interacting, welcoming uh, strangers, immigrants as an issue of discipleship, and even as um, an issue of missions. So Matthew 28 calls us to make disciples of all nations. Well, God has literally brought the nations to us, right? Into our back backyards, um, so to speak. There was a, um, I believe a Gordon Conwell study that was released a few years back that found that the U.S. had more unreached people groups of any other country, except for China, India, that there are uh, potentially over 500 unreached people groups right here inside the united states so when we welcome the immigrant when we welcome the stranger um i think we're also fulfilling our great commission call to make disciples right and we do so in love um obviously so yeah so lots of biblical commands um and and instructions and calls for us to care about immigrants and strangers you
0: know i think generally churches um it's easier to show compassion and care to people that are like like that that are like us, that uh, look the same, think the same, um, maybe even speak the same. And I think, especially as Chinese churches, we tend to focus largely on Chinese immigrants. You know, like caring for families that have recently moved to the United States, uh, regardless of what part of the country you're in. But that's you know the, the biblical call to to welcoming strangers and, and to loving people is much bigger than an ethnocentric, um, you know, uh, approach to that. And so how you know how do do you or in, in your work with churches how did you help them both understand that call but maybe practically expand their compassion to be not just for people like them but for 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 the nations like you said.
2: Well. One of the key takeaways uh, from the parable of the Good Samaritan that Jesus taught is that the neighbor that we're called to love, um, they can look like us, sometimes they do, but they often don't. Um, And the fact that immigrants of all different ethnicities and cultures have settled in just about every corner um, of the country in cities, suburbs, um, right, and um, in the rural areas, things that we literally have them, um, these immigrants that don't look like us uh, in our communities, uh, whether it's in our workplaces, in our schools, restaurants, shops, apartment buildings. It's just a matter of paying attention, um, noticing that they're there. And so it's not hard to find them. And I would say, once you know you do, um, do what you naturally do to get to know somebody and befriend them and let them befriend you, Think biblical compassion is ultimately not about accomplishing tasks or hitting targets but developing relationships. So, when you come to know someone and, um, yeah, get to know them, their uh, physical and spiritual needs, stated or unstated, become personal to you, regardless of the color of their skin, right, or the language that they speak. Um, of course, there are. Good practices um, to interacting with people from different backgrounds. Um, so it's good to be sensitive to that. I would just say um, be genuine. Um, I think people are a lot more welcoming and forgiving. I think than we sometimes you know think um, when approaching someone from a different background. But be genuine and just you know be humble and be in a posture of learning because chances are you will learn a lot from them um, and you will also be blessed by them too. Um, and I think, uh, and one more thing uh, on this question uh, about, the, about the kind of the Chinese church focus uh, tends to be on, on, on Chinese immigrants is that I think it's not just um, the focus is on Chinese immigrants, but the focus has tend to be from my observations been on Chinese immigrants with legal status. I sense um, from my personal experiences and from my work that there is a great difference in terms of how we view legal and undocumented immigrants, uh, particularly within the Chinese or Asian community. There's a lot of stigma and shame attached um, to to an illegal status. Is it right to break the law? In most cases, not. Um, But are cases involving undocumented immigrants always so black and white? I would say in most cases, no. so I think you know there's the fact that most people don't know that the vast majority of undocumented, uh, undocumented immigrants pay taxes, or that undocumented immigrants are disproportionately represented among victims of human trafficking or uh, labor exploitation. And some industries here in the U.S. and around the world live, thrive on there being undocumented immigrants to to exploit and provide cheap labor. So I'm not condoning law breaking. Um, but there are um, many ways to extend compassion to undocumented immigrants without breaking the law. And um, first, it's it's really coming to know them and, and know their story um, and know the hard decision that they had to make um, for themselves, for their families. Sometimes if we put ourselves in their shoes, given what they had, given the choices they had to make, I don't know if we would have made a different uh, choice. And I'll just say that you will never break a law—at least a law that matters in eternity—by extending Christ-like love to somebody.
0: Yeah, you know, I think something for me that has been a, a very necessary reminder is: it's really easy to look at people and kind of assign um, or, or identify them with maybe uh, a legal status or with uh, some choices that they've made. When the reality is, is that we really need to. See their identity as as children of God, right? Made in the image of God, and when we do that, that I think grows our compassion because it's the same compassion that Jesus looks at us with. And so I'm really thankful that you you know that you brought that up because it is e- it, again it is easier, um, or maybe more black and white, simpler to just uh, think about how do we care for people that we maybe agree with.
2: I will say I'm the first to. See- you know you are reflecting on my own journey i don't think i would by myself have arrived at this point of being able to um, sort of see the situation for sort the of see undocumented immigrants for who they are had i not been um, put in in a position to to do so as in uh, so i understand i i'm really grateful while i i don't wish my my journey in the undocumented part um, and, and, and all that entailed on anybody, but in some ways I'm, I'm very grateful God let me through that and opened my eyes and, and allow me to connect with fellow undocumented immigrants. Some of them are some of my really good friends and coming to know their struggles and their family background. And, and it just really opened up my eyes and helped me understand we're really not that different after all. It's just in most cases a matter of what resources we had available um, to us at the time. Right. Um, so, our 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 um, in terms of our hopes, our desires, and even our God given longing for certain things. Um, I mean, they're just they're not the same, but they're um, um, they have the same value and some same weight um, in, in, in these people.
1: Yeah, and I think that you know, as you're speaking and as you're sharing, especially giving us sort of your own story as well as how that's you know, how immigration advocacy is anchored in biblical um, calling. I would imagine that some of our listeners would be thinking, okay, well, what's the next step for us then? How have you uh, seen Chinese churches participate in caring for immigrants? What are some examples that you could share with us that might be a good inspiration for some of our listeners?
2: Yeah. So I'll start with my own church. Um, John mentioned Wheaton Chinese Alliance Church. So, um, our church has had members um, that have lived in more immigrant-concentrated or refugee-concentrated uh, communities. We are very blessed to have a War Relief office that's not too close, uh, not too far from our uh, church location. And War Relief um, is a, a Christian organization, um, a resettlement agencies that work with the US government and Southern refugees. They also offer services to immigrants, um, legal services, um, Uh, Workshops, uh, et cetera. But anyway, so uh, my church has uh, partnered with World Relief by uh, donating supplies, right, monetary donations, but also a number of our uh, church members have have volunteered with World Relief to help resettle refugees um, or to um, help uh, volunteer at an ESL class that they offer. Now I understand mo- a lot of churches will not necessarily have a war relief or an organization similar to war relief um, near them. Um, but again, it's, it's seeing what's in their community, right? assessing sort of the demographics and, and the needs in their community and then, and then uh, addressing those needs. So whether that's offering ESL classes or workforce training or uh, driving immigrants or refugees right? who don't have their licenses, to doctor's appointments um, or job interviews, et cetera. Um, so w- when I worked with um, Evangelical Immigration Table, uh, one of the things that um, my, my coworker came up with kind of as an acronym to help sort of guide the response of the church on this issue is uh, PLEASE, P-L-E-A-S-E, which stands for prayer, learning, education, advocacy, service, and evangelism. I think, you know, prayer is relatively straightforward, but it's so important um, that we have to start with prayer and uh, learning about the issue, learning about the facts around the issue, um, both on learning the stories of immigrants, uh, but also the the facts right on US immigration, the laws and the um, in the current current events, education, what helping to share what you learned with others advocacy I mentioned is uh, speaking up for those um, advocating before your members of Congress, right? And you can do so without, I always see there's a difference between uh, being partisan versus being political. Jesus um, is, was political, was a was involved in the politics, but he he didn't take sides. And we're not calling it for you to take sides, um, but to simply um, encourage and to empower and to pray for your members of Congress, your legislators to have the courage and the wisdom to enact policies that, um, that reflect biblical principles, right? That served human flourishing. Um, and of course, service I mentioned um, in terms of ser- service serving practical needs and then evangelism, um, right? Building those bridges um, strong enough to carry the weight of the gospel. I think quoting John mong quoting John Piper, quoting someone, I'm not sure, but um, <laughs> I really like that quote. So obviously it's not just addressing it's very important to address, right, their physical, their temporal needs, but also addressing their spiritual needs.
0: I'm pretty sure I was quoting Jalen's brother, but he was probably quoting someone else that was maybe quoting John Piper. I don't know.
2: <laughs>
0: what, you know, you talked about um, some of the, you know, that, that there are oftentimes many challenges and needs that uh, immigrants and refugees face when they, when they arrive or just in, in the process of building a life here in the United States, are are there any particular needs that you feel like Chinese churches are uniquely equipped to um, to address or or to meet? Because I think that gives um, a very uh, just a practical or tangible starting point for churches mm-hmm. for Chinese churches in particular.
2: Yes, I will say that while our call is to love and serve all strangers in Jesus' name, regardless of um, sort of their their backgrounds and um, it is worth noting that China has actually replaced Mexico as the number one immigrant sending country. Um, as I think as early as 2013, um, some of the reports that I've read. So practically speaking, um, Chinese churches are uniquely positioned to serve this growing number of arrivals of Chinese and Asian immigrants in the US um, because we have the language, you have the cultural affinity, et cetera. And we can uh, sort of, be a home away from home when they're um, when they're far from their families. But I think our goal and our hope, right, are uh, not just to integrate them into the local Chinese church, as valuable as that is, but uh, ultimately into the body of Christ, which extends uh, beyond the the Chinese churches. So I think it starts in the Chinese church, uh, but it can't end there.
1: Yeah, that's good. I think that one of the things that, you know, as I'm listening and, and as I'm thinking through, okay, what else can my church do? Uh, there's so, there's so many things that you've kind of given to us, right? I really like the please, the prayer, learning, education, advocacy, service, and evangelism. What are some practical first steps uh, for caring for immigrants and strangers that the Chinese church can take? Like right now, if, if I were to say, you know, tomorrow uh, I want a team from our church to start immigration advocacy, what are some practical first steps for us?
2: So I think with um, COVID, this will take a little bit of creativity. Um, but I think ultimately the, the thought process or the, the intentionality behind it is, is the same in that, yeah, loving the stranger does take intentionality. Right? Um, and you can't love or serve what or who you don't know. So it's, and I think I mentioned this earlier, but it's all about getting to know your community. Uh, knowing who is in your community, right? And understanding your community makeup, um, whether it's local or not so local uh, neighborhoods and, and who lives there. Um, so that takes a little bit of getting around, um, which in COVID season is a little bit challenging, um, but going to places where, um, yeah, and, and even just observing, but I would, you know, as I also, as I mentioned earlier, sometimes it's, we tend to overlook the people, even just in our, um, immediate um, sort of spheres of of presence, right, in our workplaces, in our apartment buildings, et cetera. And while the immigrant experience is unique for each person, um, there are aspects that I believe are sort of universally shared. And so oftentimes immigrants and especially refugees um, come and they face language barriers and they face discrimination uh, immigrants are uh, can't be easy targets for mistreatment, marginalization, exploitation, every wave of immigrants face that, um, And I, I don't need to mention the, the Chinese Exclusion Act in 1882 and how Chinese immigrant laborers were treated after they were used and then abused uh, yeah, from digging up uh, gold mines and then working on the, the transcontinental railroad. But I think it's important to, to bring that up and not just to be dramatic, uh, but to bring that up to remind ourselves that uh, we can also be prone to prejudices and racism ourselves, um, even as immigrants or even as, minority, um, in, in the, as a minority group in the United States. To see others who are different from us as less than or to uh, exc- exclude them or to demean them. I mean, you don't have to look too far back Right, just in even in recent years, recent months, uh, the kind of language that is used, including people in the church, um, in Chinese churches, to describe immigrants or refugees or or people of other races. Um, Or it can also be, you know, to be very frank, it can also be easy for us uh, as immigrants, especially, to sort of adopt a scarcity mindset that others are a drain to our resources, Hmm. uh, including those who are coming in right those who are newer here well they're not um they're contributing and this this country is built by immigrants and continues to be built by immigrants um and and especially from a kingdom perspective as christians really none of it really belongs to us so i think it's keeping that mindset um and we need to continuously examine ourselves i need to do that myself um but ultimately right it boils down to to how do we extend Christ-like love? And it's it's difficult to even take that first practical step in loving the stranger if we see the stranger as a threat, as someone we need to fear, or um, as someone we need to distance. So I think that's really important. Um, and I need to remind myself too, even in, in, in this work or in, in life, um, that I just need to be careful in terms of uh, my approach and my thought process and making sure that I am filtering through a... Um, the way I uh, respond to people and then look at people through a uh, gospel lens.
0: Yeah. You know, our, our listeners can't see this cause this is a audio only podcast, but Jalen and I are sitting here this whole time listening to you talk and just nodding our heads because we, I think we're learning uh, just through our, our, listening. So that's been, it's been an encouragement Liz to hear your journey and, and to, uh, to sit at your feet and to learn the things that God has taught you over the years um, I, I'm thinking for like a church that is wanting to participate in this work and does not have, um, you know, like, like WCAQ had word relief in in our backyard. And so there's a, a very easy, not easy, but there's a very um, accessible partnership there. But maybe some other churches, they don't have that or they're just scratching the surface of this conversation. So what are some um, resources or uh, networks or organizations that you would recommend to churches to, to check them out and potentially partner with um, in this work.
2: So I mentioned world relief and I would encourage, well, you know world relief is not everywhere, uh, but they do have several local offices throughout the country, um, a number of them, I should say. Uh, I would also highly recommend the evangelicalimmigrationtable.com as a uh, resource for learning about the issue. There are lots of good um, research uh, that are linked or generated, and especially for churches who are wanting to address immigration from a biblical perspective. Um, it's, it has just a breadth of, of resources available, um, whether you want to learn about it yourself, whether you want to um, well, learn it and then lead a small group. There are small group leader guides. Uh, there are also ways, uh, resources, if pastors want to speak about this. In their church whether it's through a sermon um, or other means there are resources and examples and uh, even videos of people uh, pastors who have done this um, ministry leaders who have spoken on this um, and then also there are ways in which churches can uh, get involved in advocacy from a christian perspective so highly recommend forleaf.org or the evangelical and then mentioned earlier also highly recommend the book um, published by University. Called Welcoming the Stranger. It is written by Matthew Sorens and Jenny Yang. Um, It just has a very solid biblical foundation um, uh, looking at immigration and then also goes into a little bit uh, of U.S. immigration history um, and then also ways in which churches uh, are, are involving in this issue.
1: Yeah, uh, I would add one more, uh, a church, uh, sorry, an organization that our church has been partnered with is Exodus World Service. It's another organization in Chicagoland area. And I know um, a lot of our listeners are in the Chicagoland area, Um, but they also do a lot of the same sort of things that uh, you've been mentioning with those other organizations. Um, And so, yeah, definitely there's a lot of, there are a lot of resources out there. And I would say too, uh, you know, to check out other local churches that are already doing immigration advocacy point. right um you know we don't have to kind of reinvent the wheel uh, as local churches there are other churches that are doing really good things already and um to be able to partner with other local churches to do that work is is also a great you know way to to show the love of Christ to to those who don't know him that's what jesus talks about in john 13 right so um but yeah liz thank you so much for your time and your insight could you leave us with one encouraging word um what's one piece of advice or encouragement that you would give to someone that's serving in a Chinese church?
2: Well, I will say as an immigrant um, who did not know Christ before and come uh, from uh, a non-blooming family background and who came to faith in a Chinese church, I just want to say thank you to those who are serving in that setting um, as God has called you and to remember that your labor is not in vain.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Liz, for coming on the podcast with us. You know, it's just great to continue to be reminded of this um, very, very important call to to love the people that God brings to our doorstep. And um, yeah, so we appreciate you being on the podcast with us and hanging out with us.
2: Yeah, it was fun. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Liz. Thank you for inviting me.
0: That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.